So as we begin, we ask, where's the data now? Where does the data need to go? What needs to happen to the data in between? And what triggers the process to start? And those with those four questions answered, I can then begin to form a plan with you Hello and welcome to the Ecom Ops Podcast. We believe that there is more than enough content focused on e-commerce marketing and not enough content celebrating the real heroes of e-commerce, those running the operation. Each week, we find and interview an e-commerce operations expert to share the secrets behind how some of this industry's most exciting businesses are run. I'm your host, Norbert Strappler, the CEO of SingSpider. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. And today I have an absolute automation specialist here on the line. Welcome, Will. Hi to the show. Hey, looking forward to being here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So um, it's all about Ecom operations and all about automations. But before we start, Will, tell me a bit about yourself. How did you first get into e-commerce? You know, um, I was introduced to e-commerce through my co-founder, um, Brandon Checkets. Um, he is the, the founder of Seller Labs, um, which is the company that runs Feedback Genius and um, all of the other tools uh, that they use to automate things inside Amazon businesses. Um, he got started in it because he was running a warehouse selling textbooks, and yep. they were trying to figure out a way to automate feedback on Amazon listings. And so... That was his big kind of push into that. He's been a programmer since day one and he automated that for himself and then um, created a company that focuses on Amazon automation and different tools inside that. And he was my um, he was part of a tech incubator that I was that I was in. And I pitched him on the idea of creating an automation consultancy. At the time, I wasn't even focused on e-commerce at all. I was focused on just in general. Um, automation and his roots and kind of everything that's gone on there has gotten us really deep into all things automation e-commerce. Awesome. And and your company is dataautomation.com? Correct. And it's exactly what we do. So you you take care of automate anything with everything. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, great. So so we we are all about uh, understanding where's the data now, where does it need to go, what needs to happen to it in between, how often does the process start, and and really digging in on eliminating manual processes across the board. Awesome. When uh, let's say I'm a startup, I just founded my web shop. Um, I I have a few products out there. I get a few orders a day. Um, when is the right starting point for me to think about automations? The what I tell people is I actually created a, a methodology or a rule called fifteen one one five. So pretty easy to remember. You think nine one one, but uh, swap the nine for a five. So fifteen one one five, and uh, the 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 fifteen is fifteen minutes a day, an hour a week, or an hour a month. So if that project or or that item, that task is taking you more than 15 minutes a day, more than an hour a week, or more than an hour a month, it's probably uh, time to, to start looking at it. And the last part, that 15115, the, the five on the end, is do it five times manually before you touch it with automation. 
Um, I find that if you try to automate it on the first pass, you will not understand the conditional steps that need to be added to the whole process. So 15115, get out a sticky note, put that on your desk, underline that sticky note, and then begin to write down your processes. You know, I'm doing this, it's taking me this long, and then put five tally marks next to it. Once you've finished it five times, you'll have your initial list. And I found that that generally can create some ROI positivity in terms of what you're trying to automate. That's really a nice a nice one. Um, I, I love that. Uh, we, we typically um, at ThinkSpot have um, a calculation where we always calculate with orders, where we say, okay, if you get one order a day and you need to copy-paste that order over to your ERP software and it takes you five minutes a day, then it takes you uh, 30 minutes a week and uh, two hours a, a month. And if you do that, calculate how much an employee costs you those two hours per month, just copy pasting, then you know if you can af afford an automation software or not. <laughs> yeah. And the reason that I told people to focus on just 15 minutes a day um, was because I figured, I went in and looked at the average cost it takes to set up an automation, whether you're doing that automation on your own, um, you know, via some tool online or like Sync, like Sync Spider, or whether you're um, hiring an agency to do that for you. Um, I find that if you do it, if you attack something that takes less than 15 minutes a day, less than an hour a week, or less than an hour a month, um, the probability of that uh, of that uh, automation journey, shall we call it, being ROI negative, is actually much higher than if you wait for it to get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, I find that you know I'm an automation nerd, so I want to automate it the first time, and when it takes 15 seconds, not 15 minutes. Like I'm, I'm like I can't handle 15 seconds of manual work, and so um, I, I think one of the other guys that I was on a podcast with him, he said that. Um, but we, we deemed it extreme laziness um, leading to millions of dollars because I was so focused on automation. Well, it, what, I've, what I've come to discover since then is that my extreme laziness has to have a limit. And my limit is that 15 minutes per day, one hour per month or one hour per week. And, and um, I found that on average, if you consider you know, uh, an executive virtual assistant overseas, or even a, a virtual assistant or a mildly competent intern here in the United States or anywhere in the world for that matter, um, when you begin to hit that 15, more than 15 minutes per day, more than an hour per week or more than an hour per month, then um, it's very easy to justify the cost associated with automating whatever it is. So same yeah. calculation that you were describing, we just kind of shortcutted it and did kind of an overall average um, to help people instead of having to think, oh, well, how much would the person cost for what's there? If you just add that rule in there of, of, of that general piece of, you know, well, if this is going to take me more than 20 hours a month, um, it, obviously, if you're, you're more than an hour per week, that's five, five hours per month, more than 15 minutes a day, that's at about an hour a week. And you can kind of get an idea for where to go and how to go backwards. <laughs> Insane. Um, now, when I need an automation, you are a consultant, so I can come to you and you guide me through the process, how to build an automation, find the right tools, or what is exactly the, the work you provide? Great question. So we do everything from 
you know, digging in. Sometimes we'll build a, a custom piece of software um, or, or dig into those different pieces. Um, when, when someone comes to us and they need an automation from point A to point B, we'll go in and completely map out the process. So um, we'll, we'll go in and ask those questions. So the questions that I ask, and these are questions that, you know, we, we started back in 2016. Um, so we've looked at hundreds of processes and we, we kind of teased out four or five questions that we ask about any automation project. And so as we begin, we ask, where's the data now? Where does the data need to go? What needs to happen to the data in between? And what triggers the process to start? And those with those four questions answered, I can then begin to form a plan with you to start asking questions like, well, you said the data is currently inside Skubana and it needs to end up inside that 3PL system. Um, okay, got it. Do those have APIs, right? We can start to kind of dig in and see like, you know, what, what opportunities... Oh, there's no API. Uh, okay, well, we're going to have to build some sort of scraping tool. Um, Dead Automation has a Chrome extension that we built that actually gets at data that's not currently in a lot of APIs. So we we kind of specialize in that realm of getting in there and helping people look at those different pieces and 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 pushing on automation as a whole. How do you charge something like this? Great question. So so our our most normal way of charging is hourly. Um, yeah. So, you know, somewhere between $200 and $350 an hour um, for us to go in and, and pick apart the different pieces. The first half an hour to an hour of uh, what we call systems design, where we're actually going in and, and deciding to how this should be done or where this should go, mapping out the process is actually um, free. It's, it's, it's just part of our process. And then we kind of decide, okay, did you bring us a problem that you already know how to solve? Or did you bring us a problem that you don't know how to solve yet? Um, and we need to help you figure out how to solve it. And so depending on you know how you get there, it's kind of like going to the doctor. Hey, doctor, my knee hurts. Um, if you know exactly what you need, you know it's going to be a pretty quick doctor's visit. And he's probably not going to charge you as much for the diagnostic, right? Um, for what's there. But if you walk in and, and say, oh, you know, I know exactly what's wrong and I just need a knee brace. Can you write me a prescription? A little bit different situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, let's assume I'm a store owner. I have followed your rule, 15115. Um, but I don't imagine that it really takes so long every day. What do you recommend me as a store, as a store owner? What should be default processes that I should automate? Um, I would say anything that has to do with um, inventory syncing, um, like any, anytime you're having to take inventory from one system to another. So a lot of times I talk about the main core objects inside an e-commerce store. So orders, tracking numbers, and I actually do consider orders and tracking numbers separate. Um, a lot of stores yes. are like, well, a tracking number is inside an order. If that's the way you think, you've got to separate that. You've got you got to think about those as two different things. And the reason you do is because you got to think about things. I, I, in in programming, you call them objects um, or data points. Data points is probably a good way to to understand it as an e-commerce store owner. You got to think about the different data points and what is transferring in and out of your different systems. So, inventory, orders, 
tracking information, those three core components, anytime those components are being transferred from one system to another, either as a sync or just as a one-way transfer, those need to be looked at very closely. And sometimes those are good examples of things that I'll even automate before they hit the full 15115. Um, because I know that you know it, where one order is, there's probably a whole bunch more. Um, and I know like, you know, oh, this channel's gonna explode and it's just gonna be um powerful. So it's gonna kind of yeah. see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, especially um when you talk about inventory or stock management. Um typically an e-commerce store owner does not only need to consider the stock of its his own store, they also need to consider the stock of marketplaces like Amazon, eBay, or Walmart, um, or even consider a local POS uh, where they also have those goods. And if they sell out, they sell out and they will get a bad review if they can't deliver anymore. So um, especially stock inventory and yes, tracking. Tracking comes from a different provider, although it is, of course, in the in the order. Um, mm-hmm. The provider is different who takes care for the tracking number. It's typically the carrier. Um, yeah, and, and there's some really cool. So if you haven't looked into it yet, I highly recommend Ship Engine, um, which is uh, ShipStation's underlying engine, and it's basically ShipStation, but it's all an API. So you can programmatically rate shop and uh, generate labels on the fly. Um, and then push those into any system you need. So like you said, completely separate data provider for that tracking number. Yeah, that's cool. What are those big syncings that you did so far? So where, where it really is an immense set of data. So um, you mean in terms of what's the largest data set? What's the latest, the largest data set you worked on? Yeah. Man, um, we have done data sets where we're talking about hundreds of thousands of SKUs um, and hundreds of thousands of inventory numbers that are associated with all of those SKUs and then pushing those into ERP systems like Skubana or Linworks. Um, We've done, we we helped a a company connect some different dots for them and um, they were... Um, doing upwards of 30,000 orders a day over Black Friday. Um, I mean, immense amounts of data. So to to the point where we were having to call, you know, the the ERP system and the shipping system and be like, hey, can you up your rate limits? I mean, and and we were paying, you know, three to $400 extra for the products that we were using additional on top of our normal monthly fee just to get access to an API that was fast enough to handle the orders. And these are like three to $7 average orders. And so for them, it was all a volume play, right? They probably only make 20 cents an order, but when you do 30,000 of those a day, um, you make good money. It makes sense. It makes sense. You're making money. The thing is, this is what I faced um, often when, when we work with uh, Shopify, for instance, um, and or or those typical tools that are self-hosted like Magento or WooCommerce, the API is so terrible slow. Um, how do you overcome this? Do you go in touch with those companies and get those increase limits or the API making the API faster, for instance, is something that is not even offered on the website? Is- so... You'd be surprised how often if you ask the support team, you know, hey, is what how how can I make the API faster? 
a lot of times internally, they don't even have a process beyond just someone asking. You ask and they'll update it. So, so like, don't be afraid to ask for a faster API because a lot of times it comes there. One thing that we've seen before is actually building a caching system um, inside the API. So if we have a very, very slow API, um, we'll build a caching system where we go in and pull out all of the data that we need um, and store it inside a cache and then build a faster API that sits on top of the slow API. Um, and, and then you can build all sorts of custom measures for how old you're willing to let the data get um, for each specific thing. So while their API may be able to only spit out you know, one, um, one skew every minute, Let's say that that's what that was. That was the limit. You could build a caching system that pulls out a hundred thousand SKUs, puts it in your caching system, and then you, as the e-commerce store owner, say, "I am willing to let inventory be as much as you know, say, six hours old." And so every time the the API that we build on on the top of the other API gets hit, each SKU says, you know, when was the last time you received an update? And if it was more than whatever hours you set, a new API call goes through to go get that data, right? And so you can build a way to make it so that there's a, a caching system that sits between you and, and the craziness. That would be my last resort. I would never do it that way um, unless I'd try. I mean, at that point, I'm, I'm like connecting with the founder on LinkedIn. I'm connecting with, you know, I am I am literally phone calling in to all of those all of those people, and I'm maybe even considering switching to another tool. Um, but if if I've tried all of that and there's no other way, I have had to build caching systems that sit on top of an API before, um, and, and it just gives you a little more control about how quickly the data can be accessed by an external system. Yeah, very interesting approach. Now um, I'm. I have already five automations or 10 automations built for my store. How do you document those, those automations? What do you recommend? How to, to so, get an overview? Great question. So, so I use a tool. You could use any diagramming tool. I recommend visual documentation. Um, the reason I recommend visual documentation is to, in order to describe how two different systems connect and what that looks like and where they go, it can be mind-numbingly difficult to understand. And the amount of words you have to use to describe the flow of data, it can be really, really tricky as well. So I use a, a tool called Miro, M-I-R-O.com. Um, it's a real-time whiteboarding tool where you can have multiple people editing it at the same time. It's very, very fast, very, very agile, easy to use. Um, and I found that that, you know, if you're talking five to 10 automations, especially I, I have one guy where um, we helped him automate 15 different um, drop shippers and we're, we're importing inventory, exporting orders, importing tracking information across all 15 of those. And we did every single one of those automations. So, you know, 15 times by three, 45 different automations that we had going on inside his system. And we, diagrammed all of that inside a mirror board. Awesome. And you recommend to draw out first and then implement or implement oh, and draw it after? Um, absolutely draw it out first. Um, if you try to implement it first and then draw it out later, 
um, you'll often get halfway through the build process and you'll look back and say, oh crap, I forgot <laughs> that when these orders come in, they have to have you know this special tag on them or something like that. And you'll look at it and end up having to redo a whole bunch of work. So it's kind of like, you know, when you when you build a house, do you recommend building it first or do you recommend having a plan? And everybody on the call is thinking, what? Of course you have a blueprint or a plan before you build a house. Automations are just as complex, um, yeah. I've found. I mean, th there are some basic things. I mean, if you're just talking about taking something out of an email and pushing it into a Google Drive or some other things like that, you can definitely, you know, take on that 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 process without having to write it all out. But it all depends on how how big is the uh, business impact associated uh, with with what's going on. Absolutely, and the more complex the data sets are, um, the 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 wiser it is definitely to have a blueprint up front, and and let everything. Um, mapped out yeah what do you recommend uh, as a quick win for our listeners um in terms of automation yeah so the the quickest win that i found um in, in terms of automation is often all based around your email um I, i'm i'm shocked at how often you know, things come into your inbox and you need to push them somewhere else, tracking information, orders, order data. I mean, you name it. Um, a lot of times I see contracts, things like that. Um, if you're looking for a, a, a contract signature software that works really well, that's inexpensive, I recommend Zoho Sign. Um, it's got a really fantastic API and it costs 50 cents per signature. Um, to, to get it up there. I've looked at HelloSign and a lot of these others and they want, you know, a hundred bucks a month just to get access to the API. Yeah. Zoho Sign's got it set up in a way where you can access the templates, set up everything that you need to in there to make it work, um, you know, move the fields around, all of that kind of stuff. And then it's 50 cents per signature after that, which I was like, that's a no brainer. I'll totally Definitely. set that up. So, yeah. so cool. signatures, like let's say that you were running an e-commerce store and bringing on people who were doing records or you know, something where you needed an artist's signature in order to list them on your site um, or, or anywhere where you need a signature, um, highly recommend um, using that to automate some of those signatures. So automate um, everything related to the daily um, workload, having emails involved, contracts, to send attachments directly to your storage, um, organize the emails as much as you can with automations. So yeah, maybe if, if you lose Gmail and if I understood you right, maybe even something like automatically label an email, which is already oh. an automation actually. Yep. And that automation, so it's amazing how often people don't recognize that things like that are available. Yeah. So uh, Gmail, inside its inner function, um, Google App Suite and regular Gmail has a filter function that allows you to push email to a specific folder. You can make it skip the inbox. You can do all sorts of different pieces. You can do automatic replies. I mean, really, really powerful in terms of some of that daily workload. Um, but, but I, I mean, we, we really, when you look at automation, there are obviously a couple of different steps. 
Um, and, and obviously I'd love to have you on our podcast as well. We talk about automate, delegate, eliminate. That's the name of the podcast, automate, delegate, eliminate. And so when I talk about email, I often tell people, you've got to decide whether or not this email you're looking at is automatable, delegate, delegatable, or eliminatable. Meaning I'm going to make it so that this skips my inbox and goes to the trash every single time it comes in. I'm going to decide whether or not I need a an executive assistant or a virtual assistant, you know, from overseas or here in the States or wherever, or to, to delegate it, or I'm going to go the other direction and I'm actually going to automate it. And so you kind of have to decide whether or not it's time to automate, delegate, or eliminate any business process, any email that you're coming across. I love that approach. It's really great. <laughs> it will it will help so much um, every store owner. And I will also take a look at my inbox now and see what I can eliminate. <laughs> I love the last one. Eliminate. A lot of people don't think about eliminate, but yeah. eliminate is probably one of the most important pieces of a business. If you're trying to grow a, a, a small e-commerce store, there are things right now that are distracting you. Product lines. I, I talked to a, an e-commerce store owner um, uh, the name of her brand's called Puppy Cakes. And Puppy Cakes is they were on Shark Tank. Um, they they uh, have have gone out and they've really exploded during the pandemic because um, more people are buying um, pets, right? Um, and and what they do is they make literally birthday cakes that are okay for your dog to eat. Um, well, she was selling these potato chips as well. And she, you know they they were they were doing fine. They were doing really good. People really liked them. Her customers liked them. It was it was all good. But she realized that she was spending so much time making the potato chips in comparison to her other goods that they were distracting her from her main vision. And so she 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 was like, it fits right. It's a it's a uh, it's a potato chip that my dog can eat. So that's totally within the within the realm of what I should be using and doing um, but it was distracting her and so she had to eliminate and she had several customers that she had to say you know what I'm sorry you know there's another there's another dog potato chip brand that you can go buy she actually referred them to her competitors and she she said goodbye to that product line. And that allowed her to focus on those other pieces of the business. So eliminate is a key part of, of being a, a good business owner. Saying no to something often can dramatically change your mindset, um, your time, and help you to grow. This is something that is very general, not even related to automations. Uh, it's a general mindset in business, I think. Um, that saying no is at least as important, if not more important than saying yes. The, there's a book out there called the power of no, yeah. uh, that, yeah, highly recommend it. Someone told me that, um, saying no is drawing a magical line in the ground uh, of chalk around you saying, I have had enough. Um, it's a magical barrier you can put in the sand around you, um, that, that, that protects you uh, from from some of those negative situations. So automate, delegate, eliminate. That's what I, I, I awesome. the, the three pieces of it. I love it. Um, who has taught you the most about e-commerce in your career? You know, that's it. If I were, if I were to focus on one individual, I would probably uh, go back to, you know, Brandon Checkets, my, my co-founder. 
um, inside data automation. Um, I have asked him every question under the sun. Um, if I didn't say Brandon Shekets, I'd probably lean on a, a good friend of mine who's also a client named Rolando Rosas. Um, he's the owner of Global Tech, which is a, a brand that sells headsets. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I've had tons of questions for him over the years um, in different pieces. So Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Really was a pleasure to talk to you, to learn a lot of automations. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I like your rule, 15115. It's easy to remember. So 15 minutes a day, one hour, uh, one hour uh, per week, one hour per month, and repeat it five times uh, manually to see if it can be automated or if the entire process is really clear to automate it. Map everything out before you start with the automation. Use a tool like Miro, map everything, uh, draw everything, see it visually. When you build a house, you also have a blueprint. So why not for the most important part of your business, namely automations, and eliminate. <laughs> Automate, eliminate. delegate, or eliminate. You got Thank it. you very much, Will. Pleasure to be here. Bye-bye. And that's it for this episode of the Ecom Ops Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for Ecom Ops Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.